0: What's up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan podcast. So today, I have a very special treat for you. We have Stacy Havener on the mic today with us. Stacy started Havener Capital Partners, which has raised over $1 billion dollars with a b for mutual fund owners. Stacy has a very interesting take on how to leverage capital in your business to be able to scale and grow. But Stacy's here today to share with us how we should fund our specific type of business. So Stacy, I'm so excited for this. Let's hop right in. All right, Stacy, so tell us one thing about yourself that most people don't know.
1: All right, Josh, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. So one thing most people don't know, I would say for me, all roads lead back to soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, doesn't everybody say that when they come on your podcast? Uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've had some I've, weird
0: things said there. I'll tell you why. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, um, and it's crazy. I would say, so for me, there's two big things that soccer did for me. Um you know, the first is, you know, school's great, and you learn a ton, and it's awesome, Um, but especially as a girl, playing a sport like soccer, and for me, playing a sport like soccer, mostly with boys, um, was a life-changing experience, and um, so I spent, you know, I started, I, I wasn't like now kids start playing soccer when they're like three. That wasn't my, my story. <laughs> I started when I was nine, and there just weren't a lot of girls playing soccer at that time. Um, so everywhere I went, you know, I'd kind of look around, and I'd be like, I'm the only girl. <laughs> now I'd be at soccer camp, I'm like, I'm literally the only girl in camp. Wow. Um, and it was kind of terrifying. I mean, when you're, you know, sort of young like that, it, it was a lot. But now, jump stop, here I am working in the investment world, and I'm often the only female at the table. Wow. So all the things I learned, you know, playing soccer uh, with boys is, I use it every day.
0: Wow. You know how to throw elbows in business. That's
1: right. You gotta (laughs) throw
0: elbows. So
1: that's one thing. But then soccer came back around a second time, which is, uh, so... When I entered high school, I switched high schools midway moved to Connecticut and um, my soccer coach, awesome, awesome soccer coach. I, I don't know. I think when you're playing sports in high school, you think that your coach, that's like what they are. Like they don't have any other job. Like I'm not, I didn't realize that this person had another job. I thought he was just my soccer coach. It turns out that he was an investment manager. He ran a billion dollar small cap equity portfolio wow. um, during the day. And then the afternoons would come coach soccer and we stayed in touch. I, I paid my way through school. So I went to a local state school in Connecticut and we stayed in very close contact. And when I was getting ready to graduate, I shared with him that I wanted to go to grad school and I was going to have to pay my way through that. And he said, Oh, well, why don't you take a couple years and come work for me? and you can save money, and then you can go back to grad school. And I said, well, that sounds awesome, except I know nothing (laughs) about (laughs) investing or finance. Like, I'm a literature major, I write poems. Like, are you (laughs) sure? And he said, I'll teach you. And so I said, okay, let's do this. And I never left. Um, I fell in love with it. I had no clue what I was doing. And I think that actually was an advantage for me because I came in there like, I tell stories, um, I like numbers, but I think I can make something happen with the t- those two things together, and it could be really powerful, and as it turns out, it was. So yeah, so for me, the thing most people don't know is that soccer, all, all roads for Stacey lead right back to the soccer field.
0: <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, and I was going to ask you, you know, how your story progressed, but that is so cool to know that it started clear from when you were nine. He, he was your coach when you were nine?
1: No. So I had a different coach. I lived in a different state when I was nine. So that particular um, experience happened in Connecticut when I was in high school. But you know, it's, it's so true, right? Like you don't, you know, hindsight is 2020. When I was playing soccer when I was nine, and I was only around boys, I, I just, I mean, you don't think like this is gonna, you know, shape me as a human. You're right. just like, I just don't, I want to like kick some butt on this field. And <laughs> those guys, you know, those boys are bigger and tougher than me. So I'm going to figure it out. And of course, only with hindsight, do you realize the lessons that, that you learn through something like that?
0: Right. Well, and, and so cool to see that, that, like you said, really all roads point back there because you were able to leverage that into a position later. <laughs> uh,
1: unbelievable
0: or he leveraged you as a player into a, into an employer.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think mostly like, you know, it it just, it just happened. And, and that's why, as we were saying before the start of the interview, that I love the name of your podcast because, you know, there's so much luck involved in, in success and anybody who tells you different is mine.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And what's really funny. And I love that you mentioned that about the podcast and even in your situation though, a lady we had on before, her name was Elaine Kelts. She actually it explained it in such an articulate way. I really liked it, but it's luck isn't something, and this is kind of my belief. I don't believe luck just happens to you. I think it's, you know, being in an environment where you can have the luck. And she says, you know, you, you can go kick down doors, but you just have to make sure you're in a hallway with a lot of doors. And yeah, that that's to me, I, that's exactly where you were at. You know, you're like, Hey, I have this, this incredible door that I could open. You didn't even know it was going to be an incredible door. Yes. But it led into this huge career where now you're, you own your own capital company and everything. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. I mean, sure. What you're doing right now.
1: Sure. So, and, and it's such a great comment. And I do think in some ways you make your own luck or you have to be brave enough to take it when it presents itself. So right. I love that comment that she shared with you. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, like I said, I kind of came into the investment world with, you know, no idea what I was doing. And and I do think it was an advantage because I sort of made it up as I went along and it ended up being such a huge differentiator for me. So when I went to work for my high school soccer coach, he had this this billion dollar asset management firm and he wanted to launch a new fund. And so he was starting from scratch. He's like, I want to do this mutual fund. I have no idea. He just kept giving me projects to research to actually build out this business. And uh, so we launched it. I think he seeded it with a million dollars. And in a couple of years, we had 500 million. Wow. Um, which is a great raise. Um, so for context, like <laughs> a good raise for a brand new fund, if you did 25 million in a year, that's really good. And yeah. after two, we were at 500. So, um, so I stayed there for a while and then um, decided I wanted to move on. I, I, I found another mentor, not related to soccer, um, <laughs> who, who had a business that was basically just that. What I described his business was, what would happen if you, um, if you sort of set up a firm that found really cool funds that were small and you helped them grow? And you did it not just for one company captive for one company but you did it for a bunch of different clients who were specialists in different areas and that to me sounded so much fun it was a my first job was a husband and wife team my second job was a husband and wife team i was the first employee there we built it up to i think 10 people and we raised billions of dollars for clients um he retired my mentor retired and I started my own firm, um, that was in 2007. And the firm I have now, which is Havener Capital, we started in 2010, so we're coming up on a 10 year anniversary. And it's awesome, there's 16 of us, um, you know, we were chatting earlier, I sort of consider ourselves a sales and marketing agency that represents fund companies. And, and we're sort of specialists in a really niche part of the investment market. Um, and now that's like the new thing, right? Niche is, is cool. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It wasn't cool when we were doing it and, and I'm grateful that it became cool. It's like, it's like, Oh, now it's cool. Okay, great. Uh, but it's been awesome. Um, you know, we've raised billions of dollars as well for our clients and, um, And there's nothing like, and the number is so big. So let's like, who cares about the number? Uh, But there's nothing like the first dollar, right? And in this business, it's the first million dollars, but who cares? Whatever your business (laughs) is, those first clients that you get, the high fives and the hugs and the hard work that go into that, that experience of starting something from scratch was super addictive for me.
0: Yeah, and I could see that, especially, you know, being in a marketing situation. Not not that it's yeah. you know, you're saying you're talking millions, but I think for any business owner, it's that first dollar, especially when you're uh, working with clients saying, We did that. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: And you're like, somebody somebody who's not me thinks that this is cool too. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> I have at least one person in my tribe with me. Like, I thought this was a cool idea and now someone else does. Like, are you kidding? This is like the best day ever.
0: Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, and I have a lot of questions for you. Of course, we don't yeah. have like the whole the whole day to talk about this. But, you know, one of the big things that I think most of us want to know is a company like yours, you came in into the financial services industry, which we all know that's a pretty cutthroat industry. I mean, yes. investment in general. How are you able to build up such a large portfolio of investors to where you can actually get them to give you billions of dollars to put into these companies?
1: I love that question. And no one's ever asked me that before. Everyone always <laughs> wants to focus on how'd you help the fund companies. Um, but to your point, you can't help them unless you have the investors. And, you know, um, I love Seth Godin, love yeah. Seth Godin. And so his, there's an old, old podcast. I think it's called the startup school. Yeah. I'm obsessed with that. Um, and the whole concept he has about, tribe and a thousand true fans like i i should have like that on my t-shirt because (laughs) that's basically it so and it takes a while for that to like click but you know as we would have a client a fund that we were representing and an investor would sort of vibe with that client then you know we'd have another fund and i'd call that investor back and say like what do you think about this one and very often they'd be like i like that too and so I started to realize that there was something bigger going on. It it wasn't just like, oh, you know, it wasn't luck, right? It wasn't just lucky. There was some pattern happening. And for us, what we realized is our tribe, our 1,000 True Fans, were early adopters. Because, again, we had these new funds that were being launched um, by these storied asset managers, these very talented asset managers, and the the investors we had loved that story. They were like, "Oh my God, so you're saying like this has been going for a really long time, and now they've got this new vehicle. Awesome, like I love this." And so one by one, as we found more early adopters, what we realized was we just need to now find more funds that match that. yeah. We don't necessarily need to find more tribe members, though, if there are more, that's great. But we, we, that whole concept of your, of your true fans, that's everything. And and a thousand is a pretty big number. You probably don't need that many to be really successful. Um, I mean, for us, again, I know there's a lot of zeros here, but if, if if a hundred true fans consistently gave $1 million allocation to a fund we'd represent, we'd break a hundred million dollars. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I think people get caught up in when they're thinking about their target market, that they're like, it's, it's gotta be huge.
0: And then if I can
1: convert some small percentage of that, I'll have a really viable business. And I would say, maybe flip that on its head. Maybe it should be small. Yeah, And if you really understand who they are, you just keep bringing more and more cool stuff to them. That's magic. Yeah. That's a business that that's to true business for a long time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I have to highlight what you're saying there, because what you just described is the perfect way to do business, because we, t- we teach this all the time. If you're building out an audience, that should be your primary thing, not building a business. It shouldn't be, oh, yes. I'm building a product. I'm building a service you create an audience of people. And then what you're doing is you're matching them with what they want. And then you get paid in the middle of it. And that's exactly what, you know, like what we talk about all the time with business. If you can create an audience, like you're saying, even less than a thousand people. Yes. I mean, if they're all paying you a thousand dollars, you just made a hundred thousand dollars, you know, if if you had a hundred (laughs) people.
1: Exactly. I love that. And I do, I think, I think, especially, you know, when you're Two things, like when you're building a business just starting out, you're like, "Oh my god, I have to!" Like, I, I need, you know, like in our side, it's like anybody with money is my target audience. What are you right. talking about? And that's not true, <laughs> right? right. Um, and and then when you're trying to scale, you kind of do it to yourself again because you're like, "Oh, I'm scaling. I'm scaling now. Let me think about that scale. Yep, need more people. Need more people. That's what I need. And what happens if you stopped that rat race? Right. And you just said, I don't need more investors or more tribe members, whatever it is. What I need is more things to sell to the people who already love what I do and what I stand for. And if I can just do more for them. How amazing would that be?
0: Right. Can you solve their next problem?
1: Yeah. What else (laughs) are they talking to you about? Exactly. Can you help them with that other thing?
0: Jeez, that, yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Well, what's so crazy to me, and this is what you're blowing my mind right now, you know <laughs> <this>. <laughs> is that you were able to do this in such, I mean, like you said, it's a very niche market, but there's just, if, if you understand the whole VC world, you know, an investment world, there's usually massive companies that do this and they have yes. teams they send out to this, but you've essentially created a third party company to broker these deals. And you created a tribe of, I my guess is, you know, hundred millionaires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, investors who are wanting to drop a million here there just to, to try out an investment. That's just great. Yeah,
1: it, it is. It's, it's, and you know, I think it's, it's a great comment and it, again, it sort of gets skewed when you talk those numbers and I, right. and it doesn't, the numbers are sort of irrelevant because um, it's just about finding your tribe. And the thing is, I know like people can't see us, but like, this is me. I have on a leather jacket and a black <laughs> hoodie underneath it. Um, you know, that's not what you typically would find in the investment world. Plus I'm a chick, so you don't find a lot of them either. And, you know, for a long time I tried to blend in and I was still successful. You know, I still, I worked really hard and it still, it still worked. Um, but the really breakout success and the real true fan kind of development happened when I stopped trying to look like everybody else and not just look, but like sound, talk, be what I thought everybody expected me to be and started being myself. And, and that is also universally, universally applicable. That's, you know, if you're trying to blend in, how are your fans going to find you?
0: Right. That is, that's beautiful. I love that because I mean, I mean, I wear t-shirts. I I, I hate shirt and ties. That's why (laughs) I said to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, But you're in you're in a world where that's just kind of expected, you know. Hundred percent. They're like, if you're not wearing a pantsuit, you know, as a as a woman, you're not going to (laughs) compete.
1: Can I just tell you, this is probably totally like off topic because now we're we're in fashion lane. But listen, my I had a a woman who was a mentor to me when I got in this business, and she said, okay, you're young. I'm going to give you some advice. Put your hair in a ponytail, low ponytail. Don't wear a lot of makeup. Go to Brooks Brothers. Buy a pantsuit, try not to look cute, and just really focus on like your smarts. And I, so I mean, I'm like, okay, I mean, I don't know, I just got here, like that's that's the thing. Got it? I'll do it. And and I did that. From I hated it. I felt like I was putting on a costume, but I was like, all right, I guess this is just like how it goes. And and so you're right. I mean, 100, you're right. And. I think there probably is some sort of time and experience that you need behind you. You know, when you're younger, it is, it is more challenging, but, but by and large, the idea of being yourself and, and being authentic and not being afraid, you know, to say something that you, the guy next to you didn't just say the same thing. Right. And that's what happens. It just becomes a sea of sameness and everybody looks like everybody else. No one's cool. No one's different. And so it's just, it's like, that sucks. That's so boring.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's so cool that you've been able to differentiate yourself that way. And I think that stems from your, um, you know, your creativity and being able to say, Hey, we're a marketing company. Um, yeah. And I think as a marketer, you start to see that as if I want my company to stand out, I have to stand out as somebody who's not, you know, I'm just not meshing with the crowd.
1: <laughs> exactly. Because if you're marketing something and it, what, what are you actually marketing? Right. What story am I going to tell if the story sounds like everybody else's?
0: Yeah, I love and that. And who
1: cares, right? So if you just keep asking yourself, like, okay, um, I have this service or this product or this thing, and this is my audience, and I want to tell them about it. And I start talking, and they're, like, yawning because they've heard it a thousand times. Why, why should they care? Right. It's different.
0: Yeah, and the, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> we
1: could,
0: we could beat that point to death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I completely agree with you. <laughs> Just sit over here sitting like, amen, amen. Yeah. Like, I agree with Very you.
1: Breech, <laughs> breech.
0: <laughs> <Preaching>. <laughs> um, that's so fun. Well, you know, with your, your experience and this is kind of changing the direction of the conversation yeah. a little bit, but most of the people listening, I guarantee you they're having the same thought because you've raised so much money for other companies a lot of companies run into this, you know, the financial barrier when they're starting out or like we talked mm-hmm. about, they hit that million dollar market. Like, should, should I do a round of, of, of fundraising so I can scale? Yeah. How, how would you recommend for, you know, the, the infopreneur, the person who's built an information product or something, how would you yeah. recommend them raising capital?
1: God, what a great question. So, I mean, I can tell you, I bootstrapped our business, even though I'm in the investment world. Um, and, and, I think it changes the dynamic so much if you accept outside capital. Um, and I think Seth Godin, I think it's him. He has like a whole um, section of that startup school podcast. That's It's like his old one uh, where he talks about have your customers finance your business. Yeah. Right. And, and I would highly recommend that. Perhaps there are certain businesses where, you know, there's heavy capital expenditures that are, you know, very, very large that you actually can't do it. And then I guess you got to, you got to figure that out. But if you give someone, you know, you got to just think about the trade, right? If you're saying I need capital and someone's willing to give it to you, what did you just actually trade away? Right. Because they want something. And now you've got to manage to that thing, whatever it is, they want to have. Control, how much control do they have? They want to get paid back, how much and when? Like now you've got this other master that you're sort of dealing with and that can be tough. So I, my recommendation would be have your customers finance your business, have your clients finance your business. Again, and that goes back to your comment about, you know, you're not building a product or a service, you're, you're serving an audience. Um, and so I would do that. Figure out a way Um, figure out what that audience needs, um, figure out how you can help and charge something for it. And, and, you know, if you've read the go-giver, which is like required reading, if you join Haber Capital Partners, um, (laughs) it's like the first book you get handed when you walk in the door, it's like, you want to make more money, find a way to serve more people. You want to, you want to make more money quickly, find a way to serve more people faster.
0: That's awesome. That's the go-giver, right? You said?
1: Yeah. The go-giver. Great
0: (laughs) book. I've heard this one about five times, and I think that's about time that I pick it up. So I'm gonna have. To. Oh
1: my god! Yes, you have to. You can read it in like two hours, and it will change your life.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm gonna go read that one. I'll go get that okay. today. Okay. i can't wait to hear what you think. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you send you a picture, like I got
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: awesome. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for coming and sharing thank all of you. this with our audience. I think people are really going to enjoy this episode because of just the value you bring, your authenticity. So, thank you so much for that. So, first off, having
1: me, yeah, yeah, not a
0: problem. Well, how can people connect with you? How can our audience skin color?
1: Okay, so I knew you were going to ask me this. So, let's just say my social media game is whack. I am not a social media, like, it's not my value. I I mean, Josh can attest, I walk around with like a stack of papers from my preference (laughs) podcast. So, um, right now. So if you're a fund company, you can connect with us. Our website is havenercapital.com and maybe Josh can put that in the
0: show. Yeah, I, I will add links to all of this.
1: Okay. Awesome. And if you are an entrepreneur and just want to learn more about, you know, taking these successful sales strategies that work on wall street and bringing it sort of into quote main street into your entrepreneurial world, um, you can connect with me at stacyhavener.com.
0: Awesome i will add links to that in the show notes and that's stacy without an e no, wait, <laughs> s-t-a-c-y i made that mistake <laughs> com. yes yes so we will add links to all of those and before we sign off though stacy What's your last parting piece of guidance to our audience?
1: Oh God, this is, I'm not ready for this. So my last, <laughs> la- okay, so my last parting piece of guidance would be what we talked about, probably ad nauseum, and maybe you you are like, God, don't say it again. Um, <laughs> would be seriously to stop trying to be what you think people want you to be. I know it; it's so hard, but like, if you're blurring your edges, just realize that. At the same time you're doing that, you are, you are actually preventing yourself from connecting with your fans. You, in order to attract, you have to be willing to repel. You have to say, people like us do things like this, and if you're with me, then stand up. And if you're not, you ha- that has to be okay. That has to be okay.
0: I love that. Man, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. I had like five things I had to write down from there. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, Stacey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me.
1: Really appreciate it. Thanks, Josh.
0: The number one needle mover in my business is joint venture partnerships. Growing a following can be time consuming and frustrating. For that reason, we created the tribe of Titans, the world's first joint venture matching platform. Using this free platform, you can find guests for a podcast, YouTube channel, or Facebook group, or you can promote your brand product or service in one simple place. You can create your free account at tribe.theluckytitan.com. Once again, that's tribe.theluckytitan.com.